we are in Psalm 51, and um, one of the uh, things that makes this psalm a little different than others that we have looked at is that the the backstory uh, for this psalm is something that is is clearly known. Um, and so I'll, I'll provide that backstory for us um, before we read it this morning. Um, so the psalm uh, uh, speaks to uh, incidences in David's life uh, that are recorded in 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12. And uh, what has taken place here in these chapters is that David, who has uh, been firmly established um, on the throne and is um, reigning as a very powerful king, um, in Jerusalem um, is at his, his palace uh, and he looks out and uh, sees a, a very attractive woman uh, named Bathsheba and um, uh, David um, uh, sees the woman um, and uh, um, calls her into to his palace um, and despite the fact that um, uh, Bathsheba is married um, has sex with her um, and uh, David um, engages in a, an adulterous act with, with Bathsheba. Um, Bathsheba comes back to David and says, I'm pregnant uh, by you. And upon hearing this, uh, David um, comes up with a plan to protect his honor as he might see it. And so he, um, he has Bathsheba's husband, uh, Uriah, who is serving um, in the military, so David um, uh, summons him back um, and summons him to the palace and speaks with him there and says, Uriah, go home to your wife. And Uriah's like, no, I can't go home to my wife. Look, um, we're in the midst of a battle and war. How am I going to go home and enjoy the pleasures of, of my home and enjoy the pleasures of my wife while everyone else is out um, in the midst of this battle? Um, and so when that doesn't work, David then tries to uh, lure uh, Uriah into, into heading home um, through the use of alcohol. And despite being very drunk and inebriated, uh, Uriah still refuses to go home and to uh, spend time with his wife. So finally David realizes uh, the course of action for him will be to have uh, Uriah killed in battle. And so he sends Uriah back with uh, secret plans for um, Uriah's demise um, in, a, in a forthcoming battle. And so um, the army, um, the, the group attacks uh, a city wall um, and, uh, and a very dangerous spot and then withdraws from Uriah, causing his death. Um, upon uh, Uriah's death, uh, uh, Bathsheba goes through a time of mourning and then David um, uh, brings her into his house um, so that she can be his wife. Um, following these actions, um, the prophet Nathan comes to David um, with what would have to be one of the, the most difficult tasks um, is to not only call out um, someone for their sinful actions, as difficult as that might be, um, but to call out the most powerful man in, that is known to them, to call out this great king and to call out his sinful actions. Um, to call it the sinful actions of someone who could simply have uh, Nathan taken away and killed as easily as, as uh, Uriah was taken away and killed. Um, and on top of that, um, David is a man known for his commitment to God. Um, and so uh, Nathan, despite this, still comes and, um, and calls David out on his actions. Uh, Nathan comes to him with, with a story. 
and says, David, let me tell you a story. Uh, so there was um, uh, this very um, rich man who had, who had much. Um, and when a guest came to visit him, um, instead of using um, uh, one of the, the lambs from his own flock to, to feed his guest, to entertain his guest, he instead goes to, to this man who had but one lamb. And this one man loved his lamb so much. It was like a member of the family. He just loved that lamb. Um, and uh, this rich man takes that man's one lamb and provides it uh, for the guest who has visited him. Uh, and then David rightly responds with great indignation that um, a man of great power and means and wealth um, would take advantage of someone uh, so innocent as, as this single person. And then um, Nathan uh, looks at him and says, David, you are that man. And with those convicting words, um, David is confronted with the egregious actions um, that he has taken, with the sinful actions uh, that he has taken. And so we have this psalm that is coming from David as he recognizes his own sin um, and his own failures. And um, as we come and, and look to the psalm, uh, I would say there, there's an aspect of which we might look and say, um, wow, let's have great respect for David who offers this um, psalm of confession for his actions. And while David was right to, to come and confess and acknowledge this before God, um, I would say... Um, uh, let us not come away with any positives towards David uh, regarding this incident. Um, uh, David has engaged in um, simply horrifying sin, um, an abuse of power um, that has betrayed his position of trust um, and committed the most egregious of acts. And, um, and we see here with that, um, that sin carves a, a grave path of destruction. And that is what we have with David here, is that sin has caused a grave path of destruction um, that will take place directly from this incident and also in David's life that follows. Um, with that thought in mind, um, we come now and um, we will read um, this Psalm of David. This is from Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you might be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. 
Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from but guilt, guiltlessness, guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not, will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in a right sacrifices, in burnt offerings, and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. One of the things this psalm speaks about is what I would describe as the, the fundamental nature of sin. Um, that being that sin is not simply something that we do wrong, um, but sin is our separation from God. And uh, David here in verse 4 says, Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. And the reality is, is that David uh, has done evil to, to many people um, in his actions. But what David is understanding and what David is speaking to is the very fundamental nature of sin. That sin is not the wrongs that we do, but sin is that which separates us from God. It is that which entered in the Garden of Eden. It is then when the relationship between God and his creation was broken. And thus sin entered into that that relationship. And um, in that, David speaks, there's really only one sin that I've taken place. And that's a sin against you, O God. Uh, we often think of, of sin as the, the things that we do wrong. Um, in reality, that's more the effect of sin. That's the nature of that relationship that has been severed with God. Um, and the, these many things that we do that are wrong are certainly sinful actions, but they're born out of that separation that we have. And um, one of the things I want you to see then in verse 5 is that um, uh, David says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Uh, David speaks of the very fact that he has come from sin. And it might be perceived that this is some type of an excuse on his part, but, but not at all. Um, uh, it speaks once again to what we were just speaking of, the fundamental nature of sin. Um, David was born as a sinner. And the people before him were born as sinners. They were separated from God from the very moment that life began. And David speaks to that separation now. As we um, uh, think of that, um, that separation that we have with God, um, that will lead us into what will be um, the ability um, to cure the sin problem that we have, to address that fundamental nature of sin. And we see a hint of that that takes place in verse 10. So in verse 10, uh, David says, Create in me a clean heart. And we see there that the cure for sin will be the creation 
of a clean heart. And the word that I want you to see there is this idea of create. Um, create is an action of God. It is not of people. People cannot create. Only God can create. And so if we are going to have that clean heart, that clean heart that is not affected by sin, then we are going to need God to make that transformation. David acknowledges, it's not me that can change my heart. God, I need you to create. I need you to do that action that only you can do. I need you to take that heart that is flawed and full of sin and create a new heart, one that is not burdened by sin. As we think of that idea of of receiving a new heart, of having God create that in us, as we we look through the scripture, we we find the the means for that, that transformation that will take place. And that transformation will take place through the work of Jesus. Jesus is the one who is able to come and make a way for us to have hearts that have been made new. To have hearts that are no longer burdened with that sin that we were born with. And as we think of that fundamental nature of sin, uh, one of the things we learn about Jesus is that he is able to address that fundamental nature of sin. As sin entered the world through one person, so Jesus, through his righteousness, is able then to bring salvation to all people. Um, Let me read a verse for you from Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 18, that speaks to Jesus' ability to address that fundamental nature of sin that is in all people. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, that one trespass being the, the failure of Adam and Eve in the garden, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. So we come and we look to Jesus, and we see Jesus is the one who will be able, through the work of Jesus, to create that clean heart within us. Another thing I'd like you to see out of this song is um, the idea of renew and restore. Um, so in verse 10, uh, David proclaims, renew a right spirit within me. Uh, in verse 12, David says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. And the word renew and restore uh, that are there is the exact same word. It's translated two different ways. And, um, and it's very much the idea of renew and restore. And there's also with it the idea of repair. And with each of those terms, what we have is that something that was once right has become wrong and now needs to be brought to that which is right again. And as we think of David's relationship with God, And as he comes and he says, renew a right spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. It would seem to indicate that David is not in a right spirit with God. Although he once was. And David is not experiencing the joy of his salvation. Although he once did. Uh, David comes and says, God, I need your help to repair that relationship. And as we look at David's actions 
that has caused uh, this psalm to be written. Um, We see David who has sinned egregiously before God. Um, And we can look and get an indication that David's life that he has chosen before this sinful choices regarding Bathsheba and the attempt to cover that up, that David was not in a right place with God at that time. That there have been actions that had come before his life at that point that had pulled him away from having the right spirit within him, from having the joy of salvation within him. And as a result of that being pulled away from God, at that moment that he looked down upon Bathsheba and saw this beautiful woman, he came up with this evil plan. Whereas if he had had the right spirit or he had the joy of salvation, he could have looked down and seen that beautiful woman and simply stepped back into his palace and went about his day. As we think of that, one of the things I'd like to, to put before you is, is a notion is that I don't think that we often fall into sin. With the expression being that I don't think we often find ourselves walking along and all of a sudden committing egregious actions before God. Not some sort of singular incident that pushes us into these great sinful choices. No, I don't think that we fall into sin. Rather, I think we crawl into it with little choices, little decisions, slowly moving us and edging us away from God. Almost subtly and unawares, we've taken choices that will pull us away from God and we crawl slowly away. And we don't realize how far away we are until we look upon the egregious actions that we have taken. And we look at someone like David. He should have been able to withstand that temptation. But he was not in the right place to be able to deal with it. And then goes about committing these egregious actions. Finally, something I want us to look at is that um, David speaks to that what God truly desires is a contrite heart, not sacrifices. Let me read verses 16 and 17 for us. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken heart, and a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. What this passage speaks to is the recognition um, that people at the time of David used sacrifices um, as a means of displaying their worship for God. And that was part of the law that they had received that they were following, is the sacrifices that they would come and bring before God to, to show God their adoration. And we can think of even uh, in the story of David um, as um, we, we see, actually I was thinking of the story with Solomon as we see the temple being completed. And we see a great amount of sacrifices um, that come there as the temple is dedicated. It's the sign of worship that the people have. Um, and as we, we come and think of the, these actions that people take, the sacrifices um, that they take, um, David acknowledges here Um, that God will not delight in the sacrifices that come from him. And the reason is, is that the sacrifices are an outward sign of an inward commitment. I think an illustration that might, uh, that comes to mind for me, 
is seeing uh, the wedding vows at a ceremony, at at a marriage ceremony, where the the wedding vows are are an outward sign of the inward commitment that the husband and wife have for each other. Uh, David, in this case, has betrayed that inward commitment to God. And then to engage in the outward sign, the sacrifices, um, would simply be uh, disingenuous, would be untruthful to that which was in him. As an illustration again, I think of, uh, the, the, and of a, a husband uh, who, who is engaged in acts of adultery. And um, when his wife finds out, uh, buys her some sort of expensive jewelry, And the the wife might look at that and not receive it at all, recognizing that the expensive jewelry is not to make her feel better, but to somehow alleviate the man's guilt for his egregious actions. In the same way, uh, sacrifices that are not from a truly contrite heart, that are not representative of that inward commitment, at times betray um, that which we are supposed to have for God. They betray the true feelings that we are supposed to have for God. Um, David comes and acknowledges uh, that what he really needs doesn't need these outward signs of his commitment to God. He needs a contrite heart. He needs a heart that is broken. A heart that is broken before God for what he has done. And from that inward commitment, then the sacrifices can fall. The outward sign can follow. 